the No Grow Follow podcast where we talk about church and today's culture. With your hosts, Adam and Pastor Jay. So Adam, we've been doing our podcast now for a few weeks and from my perspective as a Gen Xer, I'm learning from you a couple things about millennials. Okay. One thing I'm learning about millennials is that your, your BS detector is high. That you have, you as a millennial, and, and I'll say you as, as the prototypical millennial, you seem to me like the kind of guy who has little tolerance, but a great awareness for BS. So, growing up in the time that I did, in the early 2000s in school, your BS detector had to be high. Okay. Now, also, that comes along with the territory. For example, um, for those who are listening, um, there are a lot of us that play video games. Okay. For example, there's a video game out now that is only a BS detector. It's called Among Us. And I'm sure, I'm sure somebody that's listening to this podcast has played it. It's where it. you're an imposter or not. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So you're, you're calling people out and people are calling your BS. Yeah, okay. Um, but what we learned growing up is we ask questions. Okay. And from those questions, we make assumptions. And then from those assumptions, we go and we Google them. Okay. And we find statistical analysis of okay. the solution that we have. And then we base everything off of that. Fact. And when someone says something that is not factual, we call people out. Yeah. And that, that's how we were raised and that's how we are. Okay. Um, now, in regards to uh, church and things like that, mm-hmm. calling someone out if something isn't true. Okay. For example, I was at a Bible study and someone said something, and I turned around. And I was like, "That's not true. I don't. Y- yeah. You were here for uh-huh. that." Yeah. And I was like, "That's not true. Uh, this is the truth, and this is statistically what backs that yeah. up." You got fact-based decision making. Yes, and a lot of people will not come to an argument with that but in the future that's how we were raised so that's what you're gonna have to deal with so for anybody that uh doesn't know how to argue or doesn't know what millennials do that's what we do we base our um assumptions on facts okay so let me ask you so let me follow up that okay that's not my i have a second point but this is my follow-up to the first one is that does Google then become the ultimate truth test? I mean, if, if that's the, your go-to because your phone is always in your hand, right, and it's the, quick and e- it's the quickest and easiest answer, we're also assuming that the Google answer is also the truth. So, right? yes and no. We also have a... The whole uh, internet. Yeah, so we have the entire internet. So, uh, for example, if you Google a web story... Yeah. Um, or a recent event, yeah. uh, the first thing that's going to show up is like CNN, then Fox, and stuff like that. What people normally do, uh, for example, me, okay. I will go to BBC News, okay. and I will look at like foreign news of the United States, okay. and see see what's going on yeah. because like a the, little more bi- a little less bias. a little less bias, yeah, okay. and so. It's it's like that, or you look up the like what the court proceedings, yeah. like the actual what happened. You don't look at the story about it. You yeah. look at 
the story of it. Yeah. So I would say that's that's a place where Gen X, me, mm-hmm. and millennials are share that in common. Yes. That that for me as a Gen Xer, I would do the same thing. Like now that Google is the answer, I would Google it. I would look down and say, okay, what does BBC say? What does the Guardian say? What you know? What is you know? What are some of the other you know? news outlets that I find to be like sort of middle of the road. Fake news isn't a thing for me because I can, I sense as a Gen Xer, sort of with the same way as a millennial, I can see this is BS. This just makes no sense. Like I can look at these two pictures. Clearly this picture has more people, right? So I'm going to look for the, for the facts. For a Gen Xer, that made us cynical. Like that makes us like, everything's a lie. Or if you say one thing that's a lie, everything you say must be a lie. Or we're not going to believe anybody because of this. And and as a Gen Xer, nobody listened to us anyway. We were latchkey kids. We went home. Uh, we watched Just Say No. And then all of a sudden, like, drugs are getting legalized. We heard our parents say Stranger Danger, but we didn't really know anybody who had ever gotten abducted. We saw people on milk cartons, but it just didn't seem real. Like There, there was so much hype around behavior that that when we started to find out our own research to say, oh wow, you know, most of the kids who get kidnapped in America are getting kidnapped by their parents, right? And that all of a sudden abduction wasn't a thing anymore. Like, I never needed to just say no to drugs. Like, I never needed to stop, drop, and roll. But people made a big deal out of that. I became cynical as a gen. What I find in doing the podcast with you, Adam, is that as a millennial, your BS detector is really high, but you also have this hope for what could happen. Like you have a hope for the future. Yes. So um, from an outward perspective in, I can see, and after going to school for business, I can see the church is failing. Okay. And growing up in church and the church being something I love, I don't want it to fail. Right. But I can only do so much. I'm only one person. Yeah. So... But you're doing it. But I, I'm, I'm out there doing it. But, um, which is a lot more than a lot of what people will do. Yeah. But it comes to the point where I just throw my hands up and I'm like, I don't know what to do. Because yeah. this is what needs to happen. Yeah. These are the steps that need to be taken. And statistically, if you look at it, if the church has a business... Is, has already flopped. So, so let me say this again, because I, I think you're on it. So generationally, I see the boomers having no BS detector. Like the reason why, why we have such political strife, one of the reasons why we have such political strife in America today is because the generation older than me has a hard time determining whether it's fake news or not. That, that for them, my parents' age, etc. If, if it's on their tablet, it must be true. Even if it's coming from the Onion or from the Babylon Bee or from... If it's on the internet, it must be true, right? If it's on the internet, it must be true. And so their capability or their nuance of being able to determine what's BS and what's not is not the same as yours or mine. For my generation, my friends got cynical. We saw that where the church was failing for the most part. And some of my friends are pastors, but... Of my friends, if you're either a pastor and then you go to church, if you're not a pastor, you don't go to church. My generation doesn't go to church. Because they saw the church fail, and they said, well, I'm going to take my kids to soccer. Because soccer's good for them. 
I'm going to choose a different good. I'm going to take my kid to riding lessons or to play travel softball or to support the team that we support or to travel. My friends said the church is failing. We're going to do something else. I think the generation between us, between you and I, I think they're, they sort of went the other way. Their BS detectors maybe not as good as your generation or mine, but they're very passionate about some kind of solution, no matter what it is. Um, but for you, you have this the BS detector saying, man, my church is in decline. And then the awareness as a millennial to say, the way my parents or my siblings or my grandparents did it isn't going to work anymore. So you start a podcast. Yes. I mean, that's amazing. Well, changing with the times yeah. and understanding... Uh, Playing your hand correctly is yeah. the most important part. Okay. So you can throw your cards on the table yeah. in any order you want. Sure. They might not do anything. Yeah. But if you play your cards right and you go about the right way, you might just get a good hand. Now, yeah. what we are doing here mm -hmm. is playing our cards openly and hoping yeah. that society isn't cheating. And by, by that, <laughs> I mean... <laughs> and your BS detector and my BS detector, both just us, I assume that they are. Yeah, well, they 100% they are. Yeah. But um, in this instance, yeah. we kind of want society yeah. to be cheating. Yeah. Because in this instance, we want to show our hand and we want to say, hey, we have a really good hand. Yeah. Get on our side. Yeah. Now, I don't want anybody taking sides in the matter of church and not because, uh, let's be honest here, stereotypical church is yeah. terrible. I wouldn't want to go there either. So tell the story again because I think it's important of how we started this podcast. How did this happen? Okay. So... I help with the audio and video team at the church I go to, which includes pastor, who's our pastor. That's me. One day after church, I said, hey, the church is dying. He said, like, like I, I was just straight up like, hey, yeah. uh, what you are doing with the church is not working. Right. Uh, and I was like, you have to play your cards right or else the doors of this church yeah. will be closed. Mind you, I'm standing in line like talking to people like, hello, nice sermon pastor, good morning, nice sermon pastor, good morning, nice sermon pastor. Well, I waited till after. You then waited after. Like, so in the line of the, you know, the same sort of uh, older generations of yeah. folks telling me what a nice day today was, Adam walks up and straight up says, um, by the way, this is going to die. Yeah, by the way, this, yeah. this is going to crash and burn terribly. Yeah. I was like, Hey, um, what you're doing, posting your sermons online, like that's cool and all, but uh, what percentage of people watch that? Yeah. Or what percentage of people come to service yeah. that are my age? Yeah. Look around, see how many people are my age. Well, there's one. Yeah. Well, there's me, but that, yeah. that's it. Yeah. And so I was like, hey, 
you need to do something about this. This, this and, and then you proceeded to say, yes, we well, do. Yeah, yes, we do. Uh, what, what would you say? Well, actually, yeah. what you said was... I don't remember exactly what I said. You said, finally, someone does this. Like someone is like agrees with this. The church is failing. Like yeah. that—that's kind of what you said. Yeah. And I was like, "Well, you knew." Yeah. So, deep down inside, how long have you known that the church is failing? Oh, I don't know. Since I was like twelve. Oh. Well, I mean, like, well, well yet yeah, you decided to become a pastor. And yet, well, because like you, I have this hope. <laughs> like, like I, I want to say, and I love Jesus. And the message of the gospel, the way I understand it in scripture, more than I love these walls, right? Yeah. More than I love the institution, more than I love the, the degree program, more than I love the office building in Chicago or the office building in Houston or wherever. Like, I think the answer to the ills of the world, the earth, right? From my perspective, Jesus offers those answers, right? If we're kind to each other, if we... We strive to live a better way for the good of the neighbor. If we make the most out of the gifts that we've been given by God, right? Um, and then, so not only do I understand that as a Lutheran Christian, I understand that I can't do it by myself. That, that if it was ultimately up to me, I would make bad decisions. Because I make bad decisions every day. And that, that doesn't just go for Lutherans. No. no, no every no. type of Christian. Yeah. And that I believe that God's gift comes to me freely. Like, I don't have to earn God's love by doing good things. God can use me even when I screw up the easy things. Uh-huh. Right? And so I think that that's a, a message that if the world hears, I think that would be transformational to the whole world. And yet, the place where I proclaim that message is a building that owns property with an elected council that's got a 30-year tradition of being in this community and a 500-year tradition of being in the world. Um, there's all this institutional, you know, I went to one of seven seminaries. I got my doctorate at a seminary in, you know, in church stuff. You know, I, I am a doctor of the church, Adam, and, you know, I've got a master of divine things, um, you know, <laughs> you know, that, 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 and yet I know that the institution isn't sustainable long-term. Okay. So, uh, unless you are driving, I would like you to close your eyes and think about a stereotypical pastor. Oh, man. Just, just think about... Uh, I don't know where you're going with this, but this well, makes me want to go get a drink. <laughs> black hair, uh, brown eyes... Has like a white robe on oh, yeah. and has a uh, has one of those what, what is that thing stole a stole looks on. like a scarf yeah and then you have Pastor Jay here okay oh gosh um he drives a mini with a turbo yeah uh he's a wannabe rally racer I do I am and he is also a pro bass fisherman yeah. former former. Um, I'm sure you could still do some fishing. I could still do some fishing. But, like I said... Sailor. Tattooed. Not a stereotypical yeah. pastor. Yeah. So, there's there's people out here <laughs> that are not the stereotypical, like, Gen yeah. Xers, boomers, that you can, you can go to and you can say, hey, I got a problem with yeah. the church. Right. And you can yeah. say this. Right. And... Where, where I'm going with this is kind of funny. Okay, go, man. So, what I'm saying is, if you look at the church 
and you judge the church by solely the church being the church yeah. instead of morphing the image of the church and wanting to do something about it yeah. and seeing people of being the church for being the church yeah. you're not a pastor I mean you are a pastor, pastor. but you are a spokesperson a spokesperson. You're a rally racer. You're a pro bass fisherman. Yeah, you're okay. a sailor. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. I get what you're saying. We are individuals that come together. Yes. As one. Yes. We are not a. We are not just the church. Right. In the same way, it's not really fair for me to say all millennials think like Adam, or oh, all yeah, yeah. Gen Xers think like me, or all boomers think like Karen. Like it's just not. It's not fair. It, it's it's not it's not fair at all. But. That being said, it needs to be said. Yeah. Everyone's an individual yeah. when it comes to church. You can't judge the church by one person. Yeah. For example, there's a lot of people that are in the church that are uh, in like the older generations, the yeah. boomers and such, yeah. that they see a pastor that is in the north that openly... Mm-hmm. A white woman that's married to a, a black gentleman. Okay. And uh, she is bisexual. Absolute fantastic pastor. Mm-hmm. But people will look at that and they'll judge. And people my yeah. age... Wouldn't judge. Wouldn't judge. Yeah. Actually, we would be more attracted to that. Yeah. But the church is driving people like us away yeah. because they're like, hey... Yeah. So let me ask this, because this is my this is. I know that's going off topic. It's but going it off needs, topic. It needs to be said. So when I started as a pastor, the words postmodernity were like the the catchphrase, right? Okay. So there were there was modernity. We know about modernity. Modernity brought about the industrial revolution, and modernity was all about there is truth and there is not truth. There is right and there is wrong. For modernity to work, to make a conveyor belt, you have to be right or wrong, right? Did you put the screw in all the way? Or did you not put the screw in all the way? Because if you don't put the screw in all the way, you do it wrong. And if you don't do it wrong, then the next guy can't do his job. The way factories work is on these rules. And modernity uh, tried to get people to do that. Modernity moved people to the suburbs. Modernity brought around, around great technological advancements. Modernity put people on the moon, right? So we're not dissing modernity. What happened after modernity, Jacques Derrida, the French philosopher, called, termed post-modernity. And he said, modernity doesn't work anymore because your truth and my truth may be different. Because your experience, Adam, and my experience are different. And, and my experience from my mom's experience are different. And your experience from a person who grew up in Kenya is different. And so, so Jacques Derrida said, modernity is over. We need to come to the point where we understand that there are these different realities, right? My, you, you understand the world differently if you grew up in South Louisiana versus whether you grew up in North Dakota. All right. Okay? Right? It's different. Postmodernity then stretched sort of past Jacques Derrida to the point where if my experience and your experience are different, we, then truth, there's no truth claim anymore. Because your truth about the way the world is, if it contradicts my truth, then they're not truth anymore. So there was this movement sort of philosophically to throw truth out with the bathwater, right? And, I, I, and it doesn't work, right? I mean, gravity is true. Yeah. Right, you throw yourself out of a window, you're going to hit the ground because, moder- because modernity, right? I mean, because gravity. And, and so there was a, a phase in America, and I think we're sort of at the tail end of that, where because of the philosophical understanding that of post-modernity, there was this 
squishiness, this I want to hug you and say, well, your truth is different than my truth, so now I can't make a claim on how you should behave. Or because your truth is different than my truth, you can't tell me that I should drive the speed limit. Because my experience is that the speed limit is arbitrary, but your experience is that the speed limit is for the neighbor, and, and that's different, and so let's not have rules. And, and it got to be really squishy, and I think that many of the pastors in our kind of church, and many, many of the pastors, many of pastors in America sort of grew up in that, and, and the rea- response was either every liberal cause accepted, like, like there's no rule anymore, that Jesus is only about love, Right? Or we gotta have rules. And then the church is only about rules. And neither one of those things are true. But the truth is about the, the Jesus that we know through scripture, honestly, is both of those things. Providing you a better a guideline for how to live. Love your neighbor as yourself. If somebody doesn't have a coat, give them your coat. Proclaim release to the captives. We did this in church just today, Luke chapter four, sixteen through nineteen. Proclaim release to the captives, blind to the sightless um, do those things if you don't you're not doing it you're not being Christian at the same time if you're doing it and screwing it up there's forgiveness for that I think that's where the church needs to live sort of in the middle so I agree but there's there's this other point I want to bring up that millennials learned about I don't know how but it was just Okay, all of a sudden, every millennial noticed it and understood it. They started blaming Mm. the church. Mm -hmm. And so the church follows tradition. Yeah. Churches always follow tradition. Yeah. And so back in the day, what was tradition? The tradition was to go across Europe and kill a bunch of people, right? Sure. Because the Crusades, let's be honest. Right, terrible time in the Uh, history of the church. uh, Yeah, it was caused by the church. Oh, absolutely. So if... We follow tradition. Aren't we pulling stuff from back then? We love Jesus so much, we're going to kill the people who are in the land where we think Jesus lived. Yes. Not not a a highlight in the positive view of the church. So that's when people started to show, and then they found the tradition from back then is still around. Sure. What the the heck? Not only that, dude, the the people who were in power like power. I mean, absolute power. They still like power. Absolutely. And so if... If the men were in charge, the men want to stay in charge. And so, so we have a, a whole tradition, a whole history of white European men calling the shots. And so Christianity, which is all about liberation, instead takes on this guise of, of the church is this authoritarian structure that pushes people out. When that's not Christianity, that's church. That's religion. So... And then you see that happening now where people are kicking people out of the church. Yeah. So now people are starting to assume if you don't learn from history, history will repeat itself. Yeah. And it, can, it can't get any worse than the Crusades. Well, right. So, so here's a highlight, though, because I think we're changing. And this is where I want to get back to the hope because I think the hope is really important. There are 66 bishops in our kind of Christianity, the Evangelical okay. Lutheran Church in America. As of today... You can Google this to find out the, the, the truth. But I think as of yesterday, there was the, a bishop's election. We now have more female bishops in the ELCA than we have male bishops in the ELCA. Okay. We have more bishops of color in the ELCA than we have ever had before. That, that there's a, a movement toward egalitarianism. There's a movement towards 
diversity. And, and I think that comes with that is, is millennials who are ready to say, my gifts are the AV team, so don't make me sing in the choir. My gift is being on the video streaming team. I don't want to be a youth group volunteer. Because the church has got a, a terrible history of saying, okay, if you're a straight white man, you should be on the church council and make decisions. If you're a woman, you should teach Sunday school. If you're a, no matter what you do in your career, if you want to get involved and you're kind of new at it, hand out the bulletins by the door. The church has this terrible history of saying to entrepreneurs who are starting these new businesses and reaching out into the community, that's so awesome, you want to help the church? Here, hand out this bulletin on Sunday morning. I mean, not that it's not an, an important job, but it's, but it's not a great, right? When, when really what we should be saying is, Adam, you're a millennial who knows about video games and podcasts and, and audio-visual stuff. You should be doing the podcast and the audio-visual stuff and the Twitch and all, and you know, and... You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, I, I completely get it. But here's the question. Yeah. Are you saying that the church is listening to the millennials and adapting? Is, is that what you're saying? Are you saying that the church oh, understands gosh. that diversity is such a big issue in today's society that they are adapting? I think I would say there are glimmers of hope where okay. the church is listening. So now, here's the question. Yeah. How do we open our arms? What depends. Well. <laughs> to, you, to whom are we opening our arms? We, are we opening our arms to Karen, who isn't quite there yet, to say, look, Karen, it's going to be okay even if you have a woman bishop. I know this is new for you. Continue to become, continue to live out your life in Christ. Maybe this is a time for you as a boomer to unpack some of your baggage and see a new or are you saying this is the time for us to open our arms to the millennials who have left us who are seeking a different understanding of the truth with less bs okay so you you just said the answer is yes so the answer is no oh so one of the biggest things you what? um well yes we want to open our yeah. arms but no not the way you just said it okay uh, the way we want to open our arms is yeah. millennials are judgmental, yeah. and if you do not open your arms fully, we will not come. Yeah. So you have to take the Karens. You have to take the the people that have eleven thousand piercings. Yeah. You have to take the people with yeah. eleven wives. Yeah. That's that's. Uh, I'm we, trying to we, imagine somebody with eleven thousand piercings and eleven wives. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, that's a lot of piercings. But that being said. Yeah. We have to accept yeah. everyone, yeah. and you can't you can't say, "Hey, uh, we want this uh, this person, this person, this person, this person, this person, this person." That may be all that shows up. Yeah. But if you only say, "We want this person, this person, this person, this person, this person," are not allowed to come. Yeah. Then no one's gonna come. You know why? Because people my age don't want to be singled out. Yeah. So. So every church has a welcome statement, right? Every church would say they're a welcoming statement. Okay. But there's this quote that says, diversity is being invited to the party. Inclusion is being asked to dance. I think that's it. I think every church would say all are welcome. You can come to the party, right? You can come to the party. Diversity means we want everybody to come to the party. And I think you could probably ask, 
most people in most congregations and they would say, oh yeah, we want to be more diverse. We want more people at the party, right? But are we ready to include those people? Are we ready to ask them to dance? And I think that that's, that's where we're not quite ready. What I'm hearing you say is that millennials want to be included. Millennials want everyone to be included. Yeah. Millennials don't just want to be the only ones that are included. Okay. So, the the biggest, huge things that are huge issues in today's society, which the church can help out with, mm-hmm. by the way, are um, getting to know people, networking. Networking is the number one thing that people um, that of millennials and younger age are terrible at. So... So, look at it. I am about to graduate college. And I have no idea what I'm going to do. Sure, sure it's the coronavirus. Yeah. Uh, everything's going on. But I don't know where to network. The college sure. isn't really doing anything about it. And so, where do I turn? Yeah. And I used to think, like, I knew a whole lot of people at church. But I haven't really talked to anybody. Yeah. And people don't really go around and talk to me. So, what I'm saying is, everyone that should be in church, we should be one group. Yeah. We shouldn't be, we, we should be malleable. Yeah. We should be able to be, to form. Yeah. Uh, together and help each other out. Man. For example, imagine a, I'm about to pull up, a, bring up a meme. Do it. Okay. So... Uh, imagine something happens and there's a big uh, like tank of water. Okay. And they, uh, the, you, I'm sure you've seen the meme where the guy takes yeah, the it. Yeah, fle- the flex tape commercial. Yeah, like, yeah. and yeah. it stops. it stops the water from coming Totally. Out. So if something bad happens to one member of the congregation, no yeah. matter the age, anything like that, yeah. uh, go through a divorce, we shouldn't look down upon them. No. We should, we should help them out. Yeah. But um, in recent church years, that's been the opposite yeah. case. We, we have denounced the people. Yes. And th- that's another thing that, that bothers. But it's changing. It's yes. changing. The, the church is starting to understand that that, that brings hope yeah. uh, to mind. Yeah. Uh, and I am hopeful that trend continues. You are. Because, for example, more churches are becoming more welcoming and are taking the families that do not belong and saying bye. Yeah. And more, more churches are becoming more like that. For example, at our church, yeah. there, is a, there, there was a few groups of people that did not respect the wishes of some of the other people. That wasn't their spot to right. uh, to say those things, but they did, mm-hmm. and ultimately they left because they didn't agree. Yeah. But it shouldn't be about whether you agree or not, right. which the church is starting to understand. It should be about is this person and this person and this person in a good state of mind and what can I do to make that person smile yeah so I have a motto that I live by okay. every day okay and my motto is well there, there's there's two of them the first one is um, 
after even after the darkest night, the sun always rises. Okay. Which is a it's a quote from a video game okay. called Ace Combat. Uh, and then there is the second one, which is um, change the world one smile at a time. I like it. Which I think I think I've told you before. Yeah. But yeah. those are the two biggest things I live by. Yeah. And you will not believe when I when I was younger, I was I was super mad. I was like a stereotypical gamer. I was sitting in a chair <laughs> eating Cheetos naked. All night long. Um, playing like call of duty i don't want to see that man I don't want the, I, that's not the inf, that's not the image i needed today <laughs> but i i well that's a that's a wrong white chick but um <laughs> sitting on the couch naked eating cheetos but living in my parents basement <laughs> uh but now i actually went and worked at disney yeah and that the happiest place on earth the happiest place on earth and before i even went and worked there my mindset yeah. completely changed from life. Yeah. Now, when I left, I immediately took everything I learned uh-huh. and changed my mindset along with everything. So now I look at someone and I used to judge them. And I, I said this earlier on the podcast. Yeah. Um, I used to judge them and say like, hey, um, that person looks like they live in a box. Okay. And now I'm like, hey, I wonder if that person's cool. Maybe I should have lunch with them. Yeah. So I, I, it's all about the outlook. So the positive outlook yeah. on everything changes the momentum of any activity. Yeah. So the church changing and opening its arms. Huh? Is starting that momentum, momentary. I don't think that's a word. Okay. Uh, the, the momentum. Yeah, the momentum. Yeah. Okay. Trajectory. I get. I get. I get okay. Yeah. So it's it's changing the momentum. Okay. And it's getting the the push forward it needs. Yeah. Now the ball hasn't started rolling. Mm-hmm. The uh, the friction is is hasn't been overcome yet. Yeah. But no, no, I think you're right on it. It is to the point where the change can start happening. Yeah. Now, that being said, uh, we we already accept this. Yeah. But the biggest part is getting others. Yeah, I'm discovering that I'm a millennial. I want to be a millennial. You want to be a millennial. I want to be a millennial when I grew up, Adam. Um, so there was this book I read a long time ago by a, a, an author named Letty Russell, and, and the premise, the, the book is called the, the Church in the Round, and I, I quoted a lot in Bible studies. Yeah, you, you've told and me about talk, that before. I should give one, a copy to you. Um, I talk about it a lot. The premise of the book is really simple. When, you sit, when the church sits around a table, uh-huh. the question the church should be asking is whose voice is not there. Yes. And that sounds like a, the millennial question. Yes. Yeah. This is really hard for the church. I oh, extremely. I don't exactly know why. Tradition, people, power, sin, probably, uh, all of those things. But, but to imagine whose voice isn't there and to imagine who the other... When you uh, surround yourself by the same kind of people all the time, it's hard to imagine the other. I don't know anybody with 11,000 piercings and 11 wives, right? So, but for me to sit at a table and, and think about, okay, we are the church. Whose voice is not here? How do we help them come here? Because we need to hear their voice to be better at the church. 
Yes. I think that's key. Now, uh, also, along with that, we also need to ask the question, what is stopping them from coming? Right. Now, uh, I do believe that that problem is internal. Yeah. Now, I haven't, I haven't figured out or thought enough about what the problem could be. Yeah. But I believe that problem is internal. I would agree. I would agree with that. I think that the entrenchment is sort of the word that comes to mind. I see too many, too few volunteers with too many hats. Um, I think the church isn't good about deploying, uh, giving the right jobs to the right people. I think that's part of it. Um, part of it is somebody at the table may not want to hear the voices of somebody else. And if they're purposefully blockading those other voices, then what do we do with them? How do we discipline? It goes back to the postmodern thing. I think there's a truth. I think that there's behavior that's acceptable. And so there's a place for me to say, what you're doing is not Christian. Um, and, and that's really hard for people who think they're Christians. Now, we were talking earlier about a BS detector. Yeah. Millennials are starting to become an age yeah. that the ones that are involved in the church, like me, mm-hmm. will turn around and say, hey, that's BS. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's huge. Yeah, it, it, it's huge. That's and, huge. like, those people that we're saying that to, yeah. they usually have two reactions. Yeah. Doubt uh-huh. or that person's wrong, yeah. I'm right. Anger. Yeah, a- anger. Yeah. And, and I would say today, not anger, outrage. Yeah, but I mean, like, it doesn't hurt us. Like, as millennials, like, telling you you're wrong is, that's just normal. Like, we've been doing that forever. Right, because you're either right or wrong. Yeah, it, it, like I said, we base our truths on factual and statistical analysis. Yeah. So, uh, I'll... I'll I'll be happy to stand up with the argument and be like, hey, uh, let me Google this real quick. Hey, look, uh, this is the standard deviation, the chart. Uh, yeah. Here's, here's everything, just... statistical analysis. Here, would you like to read this? This is, uh, this yeah. is, this yeah. is what... As a matter of fact, that's not what the Bible says. <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, I, I, think, I think that that's important. I think that's, that's so important. Man, we've covered a lot of stuff. We have already today. I think this is really good. I, re- I have such hope for the church. I have such hope for your generation that, that maybe the work, the guys, the men and women who are pastors before me and, and, and myself, maybe it's not in vain. I mean, maybe it was just a season or a cycle. But I really have hope for, for, for the millennials to be able to say, wait a second, this is not what Christianity is about. This is about what this is what religion's about, and we're not about that. We're ready to do something else, and I, I think that that's really cool. I think it's absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Now, I also I r- really hope that one day, thirty years from now okay. or so, I'll be dead. The church, you won't be dead. I might be dead. You, I'll be seventy-five years old. You think you'll be dead at 75? I'm like one of, I, Have you I seen I, medical? I always it? thought I was a rock star and I wouldn't make it past 27. So these are all bonus years. Oh, well. Jimi Hendrix, James Joplin, Jimmy I mean, you do drive a rally car. Do you know who any of those people are? What? <laughs> do, do you know how Johnny Mathis is? Okay, fine. fine okay. okay uh, fine. That, that's why I listen to My dad has all the records. <laughs> so. Oh, we're punchy this morning. <laughs> We're throwing punches left and right. Um, uh, in today's church, we have a lot of people that 
that post their videos online and such as our church. But th- this morning we absolutely butchered. Oh yeah, it was a swing and a miss. It was it was absolute swing and a miss. Uh, we use we use a um, an app called Switcher, which is like a iPhone isk app. It's it's kind of like for people that know Twitch, it's like OBS but for iPhones. So. Uh, with that being said, um, hopefully people will be accepting of it, and that's what yeah. the church should do. They'll be like, yeah. oh, it's, it's a swing and a miss, um, better luck next time. Hey, if you need help, we'll be happy to help. But most likely what people will do is they'll say, hey, this is terrible. Why did this happen? This sucks. Yeah. Problem point routers. Yes. Yeah. There are two types of people. Okay, so... Uh, this also comes from a game. I reference games all the time now. Uh, there are uh, problem solvers and problem makers. Okay. That, that's from a game called Far Cry. But okay. uh, there are problem solvers and problem makers. Yeah. Now, the, there's a, two stereotypical, stereotypical people. Because even people may say, oh, there's, there's neither. And I'm like, mm. do, do they eat food? Do they consume resources? Mm. They're either problem solvers or problem makers. So our job as a church mm-hmm. is not to tell people what's right and wrong. Our, our job as a church is to help people and turn the problem makers mm-hmm. and showing them what, how they can be a problem solver. Problem. I like that. I like that. I'm not sure that's where I was. I thought you were going to go, so I need to. I was. I'm think, I need to think that through. I think that you're on the. I think that you're on the right track. I am. Because you you talk all the time about um, discovering people's talents yeah. and using them for the church. Yeah. So what are your problem solving talents? What are so your, pro- your problem solving talents rather than your problem making talents? Yes. So what I was going to say in regards to today. I think part of the answer is authenticity. Is that you have to be your honest self. Yeah, like, church, church is not authentic, by no, the way. It needs to be. It needs to be. And, and I think that because of your BS de- detector and because of the hope and because of my BS detector and my cynicism, um, like I'm more willing to say, you know, um, this is just who I am. Like we flubbed it. I mean, we we had an opportunity to do online worship today and it did not go well. Yeah, it, right? it, it did not. Um, and so rather than like let's all stay afterwards and let's have the band stay afterwards and let's just redo it only let's redo it perfect our church council president got up and did a facebook live unscripted saying hey we loved it like stick around next week or come next week and be here in person or and we will put together something so there's some sort of worship from this weekend with the bits and pieces we can salvage out of today's but, but in-person worship, I think we knocked through the, through the roof. I mean, it was fantastic today. The tech was got in the way. And so to be able to say, we're a church in Louisiana in the middle of COVID, and, and we did the best we can with the volunteers we can. Thank goodness we've got the, these volunteers, and, and this is who we are. We are not a church that promotes and produces, and we don't have full-time paid camera staff. Right, we're we're volunteers doing the best we can, and we did as we did great, and that's who we are. And if you have the gifts, you should come and be a part of us. Not we're gonna lie and say 
we're better than this or we're not better than this. I, I think that's what people need to see here. Like, if you got baggage in your life, dude, you come here. We got yeah. baggage, yeah, and, we'll like, t- and we'll tell you about it. Yeah, like I will tell you about all my baggage, which I've openly said on this podcast. Yeah, I have, yeah. I have no problem saying yeah. like, "Hey, this is my issue. This is my issue. Yeah. This is my issue." Yeah. If you have any of these issues, let's talk. D- talk to me. Yeah. And yeah. so that that's also the hardest part. Yeah. But that's one of the best ways for people to open their arms. I think so. Now, um, if someone, I expect this is what I expect, and this yeah. is one though biggest problems in church and it needs to be fixed and it is if somebody comes in here with baggage yeah and they proclaim their baggage yeah well like release their baggage and they say this is my problem yeah and they like they're saying it out loud yeah if people are then like i don't know is excommunicate the right word sure out of the church yeah because what their problem was? There has been, a, yes, absolutely. So, yes, there is a history of churches who've said, if this particular thing is your baggage, you can't come here anymore. You're out of communication. What is the point of that church? And well, I'll tell you what it's, what's the point isn't. It's not to survive. Right. No, 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 no. I mean, that, that's that behavioral understanding of what does it mean to be a religious Christian. And I don't think that that's true or fair or honest to what the gospel says. But there's a lot of tradition that says if you do this, Jesus forgives all sins, but if you do this one thing, you're out. You said the magical word. You said tradition. I did. That needs to be thrown out. Yeah. And I, I, every time you say tradition, I'm just going to say put a quarter in the jar? Yeah, you got to put a quarter got in the jar. a list of things I got to put the quarter in the jar. Yes. Yeah. No, I think that that's, that's the case. And, and for many folks, particularly America, right? So sometime do a Google search on Ameri- American civil religion. And you'll, this is some, packs all this together. Right? American civil religion is sort of a pull yourself up by your bootstraps. If you work really hard, Jesus is going to bless you more. Right, you might Joel Osteen. This is Lakewood, right? Like God's got a plan, God's got a purpose. God wants to pour His divine providence on you. God wants to give you God's favor. If you work really hard and get a good degree and have a great resume, you're going to get that job God wants for you to do. If you are faithful and you meet a good woman and you become get married and you're going to have the family that God wants you. If you work really hard at your job, God's going to give you the Lexus or the parking spot or the swimming pool. Like it's American civil religion says, if you do your part, God wants to give you God's favor, which works if everything's working. If you don't have any baggage, it makes perfect sense, right? But, but nowhere in there does, I've been a good person, but I got cancer. Or I've been a good person and my kid killed themselves. Or I worked really hard on my degree and I'm, now I'm in a job that gives me no satisfaction. Like, that's, it's not Christianity anymore. It's this American civil religion. Christianity is Jesus saying to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, stop being a moron. Climb down from that tree. I'm going to your house, sinner, for supper. And I'm going to bring my prostitute friends, and I'm going to bring my fishing friends, and I'm going to bring my tax collector friends, and we're all going to be together hearing all of these voices that say, we've got these gifts, and we've been forgiven of that yesterday, so that we can live a new kingdom of heaven into being starting right now. Again, Luke chapter 4, 16 through 19. Release to the captives, sight to the blind. So, that being said, the church, and I just thought about this. Yeah. So, uh, the church has changed yeah. 
uh, over over time the church has changed and needs to change again. Yeah. And this this is a great way to think about it. So the church was originally a liquid. Okay. And then uh, it turned into a a foam and a foam. You know how they yeah. have the spray yeah. and yeah. it forms. Yeah. Well, it formed and it stayed. Yeah. But what we need is we need it to be a liquid. We need we need that the foam to heat back down and turn back into Dude, the liquid. This is it. This is gonna we're gonna wind up this web. This is gonna be the end of our podcast today because we have to do this right. So those are forms, right? It was the form of water. It was the form of foam. It was the form of a solid, right? It's uh-huh. a cha- the church is changing forms. What you're saying is we need a reformation. Yes. Yeah. Which for us as Lutheran Christians is like the holy holiday of reformation. Now, right? I, I, I am not no Martin Luther. Yeah, I'm yeah. not going to state full the 1395. Or the, ni- <laughs> uh, the 95 yeah. theses to the door. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not like that, yeah. but I am but, like but, calling the church out. But the I'm sentiment like, is the same. I mean, Luther, because I'm a Luther guy. I'm a Luther scholar. If I wasn't a pastor, I'd probably be a history professor somewhere. And, and Luther is sort of my dude. And, and um, Luther said the church, Ecclesia Semper Reformata, the church is always reforming. The, but you're right, the church has gotten stuck in foam. And I think in, in, it was yeah, either... It's been stuck in traditional foam. For 500 foam. plus years. You know, for, for, we talked about this one of the first podcasts, or maybe it was before where we were just talking about maybe we should have a podcast. Yeah. You know, I said the church has changed more in the last six weeks. That was just right at the very beginning of yeah. Corona. You know, the church has changed more in the last eight months than it has changed in the last 500 years. Yes. I mean, it had to. I mean, things that culture, society, context... It shouldn't have to, It though. shouldn't have to, but it... I mean, it has to. It shouldn't have been that far behind. Yes. You know, that the church should have always been picking up MySpace, Facebook, Instagram, The Vine, TikTok, Twitch whatever's next the, the the church music should have always changed from from Bach to the Eagles to Radiohead to Drake I mean like the church should have always been changed as we continue to listen the church should always have heard from from white European men and women and black people and Hispanic people like like why is this rocket science that that as the, the church grew around the world, the voices should have been more diverse, and yet somehow we solidified in this, well, we, we need a guest speaker to tell us about why we solidified into a misogynistic, uh, heteronormative, white, male-driven hierarchy, but, but we did. And, but now is the time that your generation is saying, but that's BS. Yes. And, and my generation, who's sort of now in charge because people older than us are retiring are saying you're right we were too cynical to change it because we kept banging our heads against the door because we bought drank the kool-aid of the institution but you guys don't give a crap about the rest y'all aren't here yeah and but also you have to understand you have to change for us to come back yeah yeah the good news is in all this and i think we'll sort of come to the end with this is that for the first time in my career I think the political situation is such that it's going to make it easier for those entrenched people to go somewhere else that never in my history as a pastor 
have I known a time, a culture, a context where people were so quick to take their toys and go home. Yeah. If I'm in a place where everybody doesn't think like me, I'm going to leave. And I've had more, I've seen more people leave, not just this congregation, but leave congregations in the last four years, five years, than in the first 15 years of my pastorate. That something different is going on in, a, in, the, in the discourse that's, that for people who are unable to sit next to someone who they disagree with, that they're going. Well, I think for the, for maybe for the last 495 years of, of the, the Protestant church, whatever, um, people are gonna, would, would have said, no, I'm gonna stay here because this is my church and if they don't agree with me, they're gonna leave. But now it's, I, they don't agree with me, I'm gonna leave. And I think that's okay. I mean, that leaves then a vacuum of folks, diverse-minded, inclusion-minded, uh, non-bullyable millennials to walk in and say, oh, cool, if, if those people are gonna go, I'm gonna come, because I want my voice to be heard. It's not just millennials. No. It's the younger ones. Oh, yeah. Yeah, my kids have no, I mean, my middle daughter, she's 12, like she's got. Zero interest zero, in church? No, zero interest in, in BS. Like, it, she's got no time. Like, if it's, just, if it's true or it's not true, it's fun or it's not fun. Like, like not going to do unfun. Yes. And for her to pick and choose between, like, she likes church and, and loves Jesus, right? But she would say, you know, I'm going to go to that program at that church because it's fun. I'm going to go to that program at that church this one. I'm not going to go to this one at this one. I'm not going to go to this one at this one. And she's church shopping and building her own faith experience. I think is fantastic. She likes the music at this church. She likes the youth group at this church. She likes the, you know, the pastor at this church. <laughs> my wife, but we have good friends, and he's a pastor, and I laugh and say that, that he's my wife's favorite pastor, you know, because he's doing way different stuff in his church than we're doing here. So we're, we're going to go ahead and, and I'll wind down, but what I want to ask, mm. and I want the listeners to think about, yeah, is what state, you think the church should be in oh, for reformation interesting should it be in a solid state and mm. in, in form like plato okay or should it be a liquid and yeah. formed to a mold or a gas or a gel or, or a gas a, or a plasma or yeah. a gel interesting what what form do you think would be best for the church nice if you get some ideas with that you can send us an email at no grow follow podcast at yahoo.com um, or you can find us on twitter at no grow follow one on twitter um, uh, you'll see our orange block that says no grow follow. So follow us there, join us there. Um, let's, let's have a conversation. Let's start a dialogue around this. Uh, of course. Yeah. Adam, let me say a prayer for us. Dear Lord God, I ask you to continue to bless us and bless those that, that are listening. Dear Lord, we desire your reformation in the church. Set us free from tradition so that we might love our neighbor. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, thanks everybody. We'll talk to you real soon. Have a wonderful day.